All right, welcome back uh, to the Popcorn Isn't Real with me, your host, Torvald, and your other host, Leif Eric. Hello. I'm really excited because we're going to do something a little different today. I mean, this is media related and we will be talking about a movie. We're going to talk about They Live. But first, we're going to cover an actual conspiracy theory. Uh, let's just get right into it. So this theory has to do with um, television sign-offs, which basically, if you don't know what it is, uh, back in like the 40s, 50s, 60s, I mean, even up to like the 90s, television studios, would uh, they would have broadcasting hours. And at the beginning of the broadcast day, they would sign on. And at the end, they would sign off. And during sign on and sign off, they would follow a special list of steps which would usually include like the playing of the national anthem and maybe a video and maybe some announcements. Um, and then the very last thing would be like a test pattern and a test tone. The idea here, the theory here is that some or maybe most of these TV sign off uh, videos that played the, like the national anthem part included subliminal messages, hidden messages designed to brainwash or influence people. Right. Okay. Well, I'll give you some background. So you can find this sign-off video on YouTube. All you have to do, I mean, we'll probably include a link in the description, but otherwise you can just search for 1960s sign-off subliminal messages and you'll find it. This video, basically, it, it's just a normal acoustic national anthem. It's a Star Spangled Banner. Uh, music plays over some like scenes and stills. Right. Uh, for example, you'll see a flag when they play, oh, say, can you see? And you'll see a sunrise when they say the dawn's early light, uh, Statue of Liberty, Capitol building, you know, lots of patriotic scenes. But unlike other nice normal videos, this one is full of subliminal messages. And it's not even like, yeah. like it's very in your face. Interestingly enough, the messages in this video are not in the lyrics. You know, the song's acoustic, so no one's singing or anything. They're not in the images or videos that you're seeing. The messages are in the subtitles that show the song text. And yes. I thought that was really interesting. Because when I looked it up, like I first heard of this video, just like I was listening to some random other podcasts and someone just talked about it. Like it was a thing. Like they were just like, yeah, you know, subliminal messages and sign off videos. And I was like, what? <laughs> I got to look that up because if that's just a thing that people know about, then I want to know about it. And I was right. expecting to see like, flashes of images right no yeah <laughs> it's not that <laughs> well i mean I w i'm sure we'll get into this but just to credit we are talking about a very specific video posted on youtube by a user named naomi 1963 1963 and i'm going to refer to this user as a her because naomi is a female name but i don't know what their actual gender is but so the subtitles to the song to the star spangled banner they appear like as a wipe uh, if you know like film transitions, it's a wipe from right. left to right. First they appear as a wipe and then they disappear as a wipe from left yes. to, to right. And during that transition, when they first appear for like a split, split, split second, you have to really slow it down to even see it. Um, mm -hmm. They are not the lyrics, the Star Spangled no, Banner. they are not. <laughs> <laughs> they are absolutely not. But as soon as they are on screen, they are. Like they right. immediately changed to be the lyrics. And do you yeah. have a list of all the different uh, messages? Oh boy, I do. <laughs> all right. Uh, we can read through some of those. I just want to say, you don't see the full messages ever. Like you see max two characters of yes. text that are changed at a time, right? Right. So it, it is very subliminal. It's not something anyone would ever see 
and think, oh, this is sending me messages unless they slowed it down. All right. So the, these me messages are like they're patriotic and consumeristic and religious and demanding obedience and equating God to the government. It's really interesting. So I, I have each message mapped to a line from the song, but I'll probably not say the line from the song because I haven't found any correspondence from the lines to the song that get mapped to different messages. Yeah, I don't <laughs> but, think there is. Uh, okay. So there are several messages and some of them repeat. I'm just going to read the unique ones, okay? So there is uh, trust the U.S. government. God is real. God is watching. Mm -hmm. Believe in government God. Rebellion will not be tolerated. Yeah, that's a good one. Obey, consume, obey, consume. That one's pretty good. This is, uh, this is do not question government. Mm-hmm. Worship, consume, believe, obey. <laughs> yeah. And then the last one, I, this isn't the last one in the video, but I, I wanted to say it last because I think it's the most interesting. There's buy ultra, buy Naomi. <laughs> right. <laughs> like buy like B-U-Y, not B-Y-E. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So did you have any thoughts on, on what the messages might mean? Or, I, to me, it's pretty straightforward, but what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's fairly self-explanatory. The only one that's not is by Ultra by Naomi. So Great. <laughs> so what do you think that is? I know you, you probably actually know a little more about this area of conspiracy theory than yeah. I do. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I, of course, have researched the MK Ultra. Of course. Why, of course? <laughs> well, I mean, any good conspiracy theorist knows about MKUltra because it is a, it's it's not a conspiracy theory, right? It is a, it is a confirmed yes. thing, a series of it, experiments it and tests and things that the CIA did. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so, but because it is one of the few things that's confirmed, it often gets used in all other conspiracy theories that aren't yeah. confirmed, right? Um, yes. And so that's why I've looked into it. Now, I will say, I looked into it a while ago, and so a lot of my memory on details is going to be fuzzy, so I might not remember everything quite the way it is. But anyway, so there are a lot of uh, CIA programs that start with the letters MK, followed by the yeah. program. MK Ultra. Now, of course, there were other MK experiments. MK Delta, MK Naomi, um, <laughs> MK Often. Um, and Ooh. then there were you other mentioned projects. one to me that was like the Moth Project or something. What was it? Often associated with these MK, MK Ultra, MK Naomi, um, are projects like Project Bluebird and Project Artichoke. These are confirmed projects that the CIA did, um, and all of them kind of deal with the same sort of. Things right there. There are similar things going across all these projects and all these MK things. Uh, so I'm just gonna kind of refer to all of them more or less together. But basically, it was just the CIA after World War II. Um, it was a scary time and everyone was paranoid and they felt like they were falling behind in the arms race and Russia was doing more research than them and they had a lot of you know Nazi scientists that they had brought over. Um, who had done a lot of strange experiments that were unethical, and they were like, "Well, we need to continue they this to continue research." Doing unethical experiments, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so, all of these things basically are how to control humans, 
um, how to get them to do what you want, how to interrogate them, um, how to, in some cases, make them into unwilling assassins. Um, well, and, and specifically, MK Ultra, as far as I understand, is like purely dealing with mind control. Is that right? That is the stuff that is most uh, popular. But they were researching lots of different things and uh, like across the spectrum of all these different projects, which, like I said, they're all interrelated. Like NK Naomi was more for testing like biological weapons. It sort of grew out of the project Bluebird and Project Artichoke, which those were specifically um, can someone be made an assassin against their will using things like drugs, LSD. They even looked into like can people be controlled using like viruses or illnesses that affect the brain. Well, I was just going to say, I looked into MK Naomi because I hadn't heard of that one before. Yeah. Um, like I'd heard of MK Ultra and some of the others, but I'd never heard of MK Naomi. And seeing it referenced in these subliminal messages piqued my interest. I guess it was like a joint Department of Defense CIA research program. Mm -hmm. uh, it was active from the 50s through the 70s and is generally thought to be a successor to the MK Ultra program. And it was focusing on, like you said, biological projects, and including biological warfare agents, yeah. and specifically storing materials that could incapacitate or kill a subject. Yeah. Um, and also developing devices to use these materials, right? Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Like, this isn't mind control. This is like straight biological warfare. Well, one of the things they also focused on, other than biological warfare, was... Uh, how to use these biological weapons to like interrogate people or otherwise hurt people. Okay. But a lot of it was focused on things like interrogation. So still some amount of mind control, right? Like okay. getting people to say and do what you want. Well, one thing I thought was interesting was that, um, I guess on November 25th, 1969, President Richard Nixon abolished military practices involving bio weapons, right? Right. So... Project MK Naomi was dissolved. <laughs> and then February 14th, 1970, a presidential order was given to outlaw stockpiles of bacteriological weapons and non-living toxins. So they had mm -hmm. to not only, they dissolved the project, but then they had to dispose of everything. And apparently a CAA scientist was able to acquire 11 grams of deadly shellfish toxin from MK Naomi and just kind of stored them in yep, a CIA lab <laughs> for five years? Like, what was with that? Like, yeah. He was like, hmm, these will be useful. I guess it shows maybe why people think these projects are a little odd, because uh, the scientists involved in them seem to be kind of just doing their own thing. Even when given a presidential order to dispose of this stuff, they're just like, maybe I'll move it to another lab. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so MK Ultra was started in 1953. In 1963, 10 years later, it was still going. Now in 1964 was when they kind of started scaling back and doing smaller experiments, um, but they were still doing them. Um, and then 10 years later in 1973, during the Watergate scandal and everything, a man named Richard Helms at the CIA ordered that most of the records about MKUltra be destroyed. And then later okay. on, there were other records that were discovered or records that weren't destroyed that were declassified. And that's why we know about MKUltra now, because otherwise we wouldn't know about it. So. Right, right, right. So those are some of the programs. Do you want to talk about any of the projects or do you think they fit in? I've already talked about Project Bluebird and Artichoke. Those were precursors to Project Naomi. Interestingly enough, MK often 
was another similar sort of test that was dealing more with like drug test stuff, but we don't know much about it. But some people think that it branched into the occult, <laughs> like how to oh. use like witchcraft <laughs> and stuff. Now that is kind of conspiracy theory. That's not confirmed, but some people think that it went that direction. But there well, is a confirmed CIA project called Project Stargate, which was the CIA testing psychics, like testing if things like clairvoyance and being able to see the future were real. So wow. like the CIA is certainly not above going into the zone of the paranormal, right? And at least no. testing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> testing psychics. So that's wow. all interesting stuff. Now, what you had asked was, uh, was there another project? Now, there's a project that is complete conspiracy theory. So okay. Project Bluebird so and Artichoke, right. Projects Bluebird and Artichoke are confirmed. Now there's one called Project Monarch that gets mentioned a lot in various conspiracy theories, but it is completely unconfirmed. Uh, a woman named Kathy O'Brien, she's a conspiracy theorist who wrote a book about being a victim of MK Ultra in a specific project called Project Monarch. And according to her, both herself and her daughter were basically sexually abused by an international pedophile ring, drug barons, oh, no. Satanists, and people who used a form of trauma-based mind control programming to make them into sex slaves. Oh, um, <laughs> and this Jeez. forms the basis of modern day Illuminati conspiracy right. theories, which I don't know if we're going to get into this, but the QAnon conspiracy theories, if you look at them, they are literally it's just, just the, the Illuminati. The Illuminati. Yeah. Yes. It is exactly all of the Illuminati theories. They're just been rebranded. That's it. I don't know if this is correct, but the, the feeling I get is the Illuminati stuff is geared towards accusing like rich people and conservatives Whereas QAnon took it and geared it towards rich people and <laughs> liberals. <laughs> but. Yeah, well, see, but that's not really the case. At least on the various Illuminati sites I have gone to, pretty much anything that is not conservative, any, anything that seems liberal in their minds is Illuminati, right? And, and of course, okay. I'm not saying there's not some a lot of interesting evidence and a lot of recurring symbols in the media that you can point to to say illuminati confirmed but okay. um it does seem like to me it's an excuse for more conservative minded people to just say this thing that i don't like is evil okay and you think that of both illuminati theories and qanon theories you think yes. they're the same <laughs> they are the same <laughs> but i will say because we were talking about project monarch i will say on the website Vigilant Citizen. The Vigilant Citizen who runs this website. That's it. That's what he calls himself. I think he also has a podcast. Yeah. Uh, he's an Illuminati conspiracy theorist. Now, he says, and he has a source on this, though I wasn't able to track down the source, so I can't confirm it myself. He says, the most incriminating statement to date made by a government official as to the possible existence of Project Monarch was extracted by Antonio Chaitkin, a writer for the publication The New Federalist. When former CIA director William Colby was asked directly, what about Project Monarch? He angrily replied, we stopped that between the late 1960s and the 1970s. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's like a so that is, bit. <laughs> that's, that is literally the 
only thing I found on the internet that even remotely confirms the existence of Project Monarch. And it, he, like what I said, he, to say. he does have an actual source <laughs> on there. I just haven't been able to track down that source. So That's just a strange thing to say. It's like if someone asked me, do you like Lucky Charms cereal? And I'm like, I haven't eaten that since between the 1980s and 1990s. <laughs> Like, I don't know. It's just, it's weird to give a time range for something. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's weird. But I think the most interesting thing about the QAnon theory is because I don't think they're that interesting from what I've read. I think the Illuminati stuff was actually better. I think QAnon just seems like worse. It's (laughs) more, yeah, it's like more in your face fear mongering. It's really all it is. Right, (laughs) exactly. And the most interesting theory about it is the theory of, where did it come from? And it's, in my opinion, pretty much confirmed that all the QAnon stuff just originated on 4chan and that the guy right. who is pretty much running QAnon probably is the guy who made 4chan, <laughs> right? Because yeah. I, and there's, there's a lot to back this up, which I unfortunately don't have in front of me. But basically, some of it is just that QAnon has been basically given like special chat, sorry, special status on 4chan and like they get their own like... Uh, administrative privileges where they can like make changes to the website and to the actual forum itself and no one else can do that except for the actual owners of the site yeah so mm-hmm. who do you think they are right and yeah, then it seems like some powerful that, elite is backing them not the other right, way around exactly and <laughs> probably you know <laughs> but anyway yeah i mean probably the the guy who is doing this is just being given money to you know forward some people's political uh, agenda right. right but um also the people who are in charge of QAnon for positing that they want to increase awareness of a certain thing they have completely confined all of their information to 4chan hosted websites. Hmm. <laughs> so you'd think if this was about dissemination of information, hmm. what you would want to do is reach far and wide. No, it's not that 4chan is their sponsor or anything. It's, exactly. You can't trust no. anywhere else. Like, what a sad so world would that stupid. be if the only place we can trust is 4chan? Well, and the weirdest thing is that the QAnon stuff seems to be like mostly like uptight conservative people that buy into it. And right. these are the exact like, people who wouldn't like 4chan. Right. They so would like, not go to 4chan. Do you not even research what you're looking at? No, like, they don't. <laughs> they then why like, do you believe it? <laughs> they hear it and it matches the beliefs they already have. And so it becomes true. <laughs> they don't need to look Gosh. it up. They don't need to know where it came from. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't care if it matches what you already believe. And if you buy into it, you should at least know where it came from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, come on. But yeah. that, that's the thing is if, if it was true, or at least if it was pure, like if, if it didn't have an agenda, then they would be disseminating it across everything, right? Like they right. would be setting up hosting uh, websites all over like they would be doing it everywhere and yeah. making sure to get their message out and they would also probably you know right let people know who they are and then maybe run for office <laughs> right but anyway yeah <laughs> i mean it <laughs> just doesn't make are. sense trying to change mm-hmm. the world by confining yourself to one little area that you control completely and then manipulating the yeah. people who come to you that sounds more like business and politics right it doesn't sound right. like 
generating awareness. <laughs> but anyway, right. whatever. Yeah. Like I said. But, you know, we, like, we, I will grant them that, like, the wealthy elite certainly do try to control a lot of different things. That's oh, yeah. Know, I mean, certainly there's parts true. of any conspiracy theory that are true. But, like, we could do an entire podcast on just the Illuminati or just QAnon. So let's get back yes. to the this right. obey, consume, subliminal messaging sign-off. Okay. So the subliminal messages in this sign-off video are pretty in-your-face. It's easy to find them if you know where to look for them. And they're pretty, uh, I don't know, scary or creepy or weird. Yes. Um, like, I thought it was great when I first watched it. I guess we can start talking about, like, uh, the origin of this video and maybe the validity yeah. of this video. Yeah, let's talk about um, Naomi, Naomi 1963. Right. So like Yes, it was posted by Naomi 1963-1963, and it was way back in 2007. And mm -hmm. the description of this video, which has never been changed, was, I salvaged this reel of film from a TV station that used, sorry, that used to sign off with it during the 1960s. Mm -hmm. That's it. There was no mention of subliminal messages. No other videos posted ever until just recently in uh, 2017. 2017. Nothing about this video was geared towards gaining traction or attention to these subliminal messages, yes. <laughs> right? People seem to have discovered them on their own, <laughs> which I find kind of interesting because it's just a random video someone uploaded who watched it and looked for subliminal messages in it and then started spreading it. Like, yeah. I guess you might say maybe Naomi did it under a different account. I don't yeah, know. She could, maybe. Knowing the origin of this video and knowing what happens in this video and the connections to maybe MKUltra and MK Naomi, what do you think? Like, do you buy into it? Do you think it's valid? Do you think it's real? If I just watched it, which I did, and then didn't look into it any further, I think I would actually buy into it, right? Yeah, if someone showed that to totally me legit, dude. and told me that this was just a uh, just a sign off video that people watched all the time in the 60s, right? Like, and I watched mm -hmm. it and then they pointed out the thing, I'd be like, whoa, like, dude and then if i never looked into it again that's what i would think it's like man because you know it's very believable like in the 60s to 70s uh the government was doing really strange experiments mk ultra mk yeah. naomi and, well not and, just the government like cons uh, sorry um companies were really into uh subliminal right. messaging and advertising Everyone yeah, and was advertising doing it. It was, it was just like exploded wave. around that time yeah like um, that then was like data science now. Like that was the big thing to sell, <laughs> right? Right. So yeah, I would totally buy it if I didn't look into it any further. Well, what's the problem? Uh, okay. So, well, you pointed it out yourself. What's the weirdest thing about this video? Other than the subliminal messaging, what's the weirdest thing about this video? Well, to me, the weirdest thing about this video, I don't know if this is what you're fishing for, but the weirdest thing about this video is if I want to brainwash someone, if I want to get my subliminal messages out there, why would I put them in a sign-off? <laughs> the one part of the TV program <laughs> of the day that literally nobody watches. <laughs> right? As you've said, this subliminal messaging is kind of over the top. Maybe they had far more subliminal, less noticeable messaging in the mainstream programming. And then they kept their really in-your-face stuff till the very end where not a lot of people would see it because, you know, then people might notice, right? It's possible. Um, like, are you saying that maybe... This wasn't a message for the people, but was a message for like their bosses. <laughs> like, are you saying they're trying to like signal their bosses to like give them a thumbs up? Like, we did it. We put in the messages. <laughs> like, so that relates back to the, the Illuminati, the one eye symbol. If you 
wink one eye or put a circle around your eye or really emphasize an eye in any way, in any form of media, Illuminati conspiracy theorists will tell you that the reason these media companies put those in is just messaging, winking to their Illuminati overlords saying like, you know, hail Hydra, like we are, we are submissive to you. Yeah, it's an act of submission. Like it's, it's their way, it's a power game, right? It's yeah. their way of saying you have the power, we did it, right? Yeah, so it could be that. The, the one thing I have in defense of this is just that the whole sign-off and sign-on process is actually heavily regulated. From the announcements that they read to the test pattern and the beep tone you hear, all of that is actually regulated by the government. Like, they say how to do a sign-on and a sign-off. These uh, sign-off videos, like the national anthems and stuff, were often provided by the government. This is like the one part of the program they have full control over. Mm -hmm. So maybe they just didn't have any other chance to insert like their own subliminal messages maybe this yeah. is the part they could do it in so they did it here <laughs> right I don't okay know. okay so i said though like uh what is the weirdest thing about this this uh video aside from the subliminal messaging yeah like i think the weirdest part of this video have you ever listened to a song with no lyrics and right, there right. were <laughs> <laughs> captions of the lyrics captions, that go to that yes. song but those lyrics are not being sung so you think that that discounts the whole video. You think the captions were added by Naomi when, and then they upload the video. Right. Like I said, when I first saw this, I would totally buy it, right? If I didn't look into it any further. But I did look it, into it a little further. So I downloaded the video and I was looking through it frame by frame. And yeah. I was thinking, okay, so I just took it at face value to begin with that these subtitles were already on the sign-off video. And Naomi, yeah. if if she did something, added the subliminal messaging. But then I was looking through it and as an editor, I noticed some things like that just would be very difficult to do is if you were taking footage from like 1960s, the subliminal messaging has the exact same font as the normal yep. subtitles. <laughs> now It does. Either the subliminal messaging and the captions were always there or both were added by Naomi, right? So not only is the font the same, but the captions originally would have been yellow and are now faded to a yellowish white. And yeah. this is because it was an actual film reel and those age and all the colors in this video have faded. And there are right. even specific spots in the video that are more faded than others, right? Yeah. So the, the color of the font has faded and the color of the subliminal messaging font matches the faded color of the original font, which right. to me proves that it's real, right? Right. Like, that would be but, absolutely impossible to fake. Right. But the thing that disproves that it's real is, can you find the original version of this thing? This is an interesting note. There are other versions of this exact sign-off video, and these are often used to try and debunk it. So there's one that has been found. It's, it's an actual archived film reel owned by the Museum of Classic Chicago Television. Um, it was, this is a broadcast film reel. Like it has been broadcast and the last time it was broadcast was in the late 80s. So this is as close as we can get to a true copy of this, right? Okay. Now this one does not have the subliminal messages, uh -huh. but it does have subtitles. So that's wow. interesting, right? That is interesting. Now, another archived copy is available on, uh, it's a website called fuzzymemories.tv. It also doesn't have the subliminal messages, but it does have subtitles. Mm -hmm. 
And another thing about this is the Museum of Classic Chicago Television and the Fuzzy Memories one, both of them have more vivid colors than Naomi's version. Um, and you can actually see the yellow in the subtitles on those ones. But uh -huh. like I said, Naomi's subtitles have basically faded to like a yellowish off-white. So this would actually imply that Naomi added the subliminal messages. And that's what most people say. And they consider it to be case closed. But like you said, the problem with this is, as an editor, is it even possible to add subtitles just before other subtitles that perfectly match the ancient archived subtitles that you're trying to match? Like, that yeah. seems like an impossible task to me. Well, it is possible. But like, as I was looking at okay. it, it would be difficult. I mean, anything's Incredibly possible. Incredibly difficult. <laughs> no, it would be difficult. Okay, let's say you, an editor and archivist, Leif, Eric, you are editing a video and you only have the cropped raw video that aired. Can you somehow, because you want to make a remaster of this, can you somehow add more footage to expand the frame to widescreen? If you have a lot of money and post-processing no, no, facilities. No, you don't have a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, I couldn't. But like, no. yes, a person could do that, theoretically. But it would take a lot of time and money. So you have a video of, of a scene and it's uh -huh. cropped. That's okay. all. Can yeah. you turn it into a widescreen video? Yes, but it is not practical and it would take a very long time and it would take a lot of resources and probably a lot of people working on it and a lot of post-processing. Right. How are you going to get video of the stuff that is off camera? You create it digitally. On the other hand, if you have a widescreen video, can you turn it into a letterbox video? Yeah, <laughs> like, can easily. You crop it? Yeah, very easily. Okay, so the thing here is that Naomi's video is actually a wider frame than either of these other two copies. Mm -hmm. You can see in the cityscape they show, you can see more buildings in Naomi's video than in the other two copies, which are the only other two copies anyone's ever found of this video. Mm -hmm. And this to me implies that Naomi's is actually the original or at least more original than the others. Because what people are saying is that Naomi somehow dug up one of these other copies and added subtitle, like subliminal messages to it. But that cannot be. Because if Naomi did that, if Naomi used one of these other two copies, which are the only other two copies we know about, then Naomi also added a tiny little bit of extra frame to the side of the video. <laughs> and why would they do that? I feel like Naomi probably is not lying about being some sort of archivist because she certainly has a high attention to detail. How in the 60s could it possibly have said by Ultra, by Naomi, when these things were not known back then, right? And right. I would assume the people making it wouldn't want to put, even like, even if it is subliminal and no one notices, like just on the off chance that someone would notice, like why put those words in there, you know? To me, that seems like she posted this video, she picked a specific name, she did not give any explanation, but she did want people to figure it out, right? That this, right. this is what I'm talking about, you know? I'm talking about MKUltra. Right. Right. One of the things that totalitarian governments and fascist governments like to do, they announce themselves instead of doing things quietly. Like mm -hmm. when they want to do something bad or illegal, they right. make a big deal out of it to normalize right. it. My overall impression of this movie is that when you first watch it, it seems totally real. You look into it and it seems totally fake. You're yeah. like, this can't be real. That's stupid. Also, if this is real, how come Naomi is the only one with the version that has subliminal messages in it? But then on even deeper inspection, 
I see a video with subliminal messages that match perfectly the font and faded coloring of the original text. Right. I also see that that original text is in other versions of this video, just without the mm -hmm. subliminal messages. And also, the other versions of this video, which people claim Naomi took and then doctored to add the subliminal messages to, they are clearly not the same. Right, they're not the same transfer. And all of those things, to me, imply that Naomi's not lying. As someone who I worked as an archivist and I have transferred film to digital formats, you can zoom in or out on the film itself. And so like, oh. so based on client requests, a lot of times I would zoom in enough that it crops out the sides. So you're just seeing the image. But some people okay. like to have the sides, like to have a little more in there. Um, and when you do zoom in enough to crop out the sides, sometimes you're losing a little picture on the edges, right? And so some people like to have it zoomed out enough that you can actually even see like the little like sprocket holes on the side. And so it's possible that Naomi works as an archivist and she did a transfer and hers is uh, less zoomed in than the broadcast versions, which of course would be more zoomed in because you wouldn't want to see any of the frame on the side or anything like that. But either way... Either way, this does imply that Naomi definitely had a copy of original film. Okay, so here's one small piece of evidence that I feel like gives a little more credence to this being not real, is the fact that it says, right. obey, consume, obey, consume, which See, now is, I feel the opposite. no matter how you, you look why. at it, <laughs> that is a reference to They Live, to John Carpenter's They Live, right? Dude. Or was They Live a reference to original subliminal messages? All right, maybe. Let's talk about it. Okay, it's a John Carpenter film from 1988 starring Rowdy Roddy Piper. And basically, he's just an everyman. He's just a dude who, you know, he, he's an all-American man who believes in the rules and he thinks his chance is going to come someday, right? But in the meantime, he's doing manual labor and drifting from town to town. I mean, the point about his character is that he's nobody, right? That's why his last name is Nada. So yeah, he's just a guy trying to make his way in the world. And uh, he stumbles upon a big old conspiracy theory. Basically that uh, there's camouflaged aliens trying to take over the world and working with the rich and elite and also kind of replacing the rich and elite and repressing the middle and lower class. And also destroying the middle class. It's yeah, and they're also destroying yeah, the middle class. They don't want the middle class. They only want the lower class. Uh, he finds a pair of sunglasses that allows him to see these aliens and also to see subliminal messages placed in different advertisements and forms of media throughout the world. Yes. Uh, he sees subliminal messages in magazines, billboards, you name it. He sees them everywhere. Uh, he then pretty much uh, makes a friend. Uh, I think his name's Frank, and they kind of go on a rampage. Yeah. And Frank Armitage. Busting up. Yes, and they end up busting up these alien plans. And I think they both die. <laughs> That's about it. Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And I, I don't even know how thoroughly they busted up the aliens' plans. No, <laughs> they not might sure have about that. They might have broke uh, a satellite dish. <laughs> but anyway. So yeah, very famous movie. Uh, some might say ahead of its time. Um, Dude, I would. I love it. I love this movie. I mean... I saw it a few years ago and I liked it a lot, but that was just for the campiness, right? Like I thought it was a fun, campy, silly horror. But right. watching it again, I'm like, oh, this is great. <laughs> like this is so ahead of its time. No, it's so good. Do you have any background on this movie? Because I know you're a big fan of John Carpenter. Um, 
Like, is there anything you know about the making of this movie or any people involved that you want to talk about? Because I was an archivist, I have listened to John Carpenter tell his entire life story and go through each movie one by one, which is amazing. Uh, I love John Carpenter, but I don't exactly remember all the details of everything he said about They Live, other than he has said on many times that They Live is about unchecked capitalism. That's all it's about. Okay. It's a, a, yeah, well, a that, warning film about unchecked about. capitalism. And But John Carpenter himself, even though he is a bit more on the left side in terms of politics, uh, he said that even though he made this movie, he is not anti-capitalist. He has said, okay. capitalism has been very good to me, which it has because he well, has, has been very wealthy. <laughs> Just for, for our viewers, in case they don't know, what are some of John Carpenter's other noteworthy films? Because he's, right. he's made a lot of movies. Yeah, well, of course, you know, his very first film and arguably his most famous no not famous dark yeah. star no <laughs> oh no dark star <laughs> we'll talk about that one in a different episode dude, what a uh, movie i love dark star dude i i think i really love john carpenter he makes good dude, movies he is amazing um 1981 or was it no 1979's halloween is one of his most famous films mm-hmm. um he so also you know, made the one i thought you were gonna say yeah <laughs> I got, continue. That, that was the joke <laughs> yeah he also made the thing uh which of course was a remake mm-hmm. of the thing from another planet many people consider it to be one of the greatest sci-fi horrors of all time like i know you talked a little bit about uh, john carpenter's political leanings do you think his his viewpoints bleed into his movies often or does he usually take an impartial role while directing like just trying to tell the story um, in its purest form yeah i think most of the time john carpenter is very impartial in everything he does he is the least right because i i think so too <laughs> he did escape from new york right yeah he did yeah and that's that's pretty in your face as far as like trying to give some world yeah. views no it's and true so is uh, so is the the one we're talking about they live I mean, John but Carpenter has like the, the thing, ability very to, neutral. right, he's an auteur who can control how he directs and what he directs. And he can be very detached, politically speaking, or if that's the point of the movie, he can be super attached to whatever his political message is. Okay. But yeah, John Carpenter himself is the most like down to earth, matter of fact guy you will ever meet. But he also has like just a, a very dry sense of humor. So like... Right. He'll be cracking jokes, but like, say, the interviewer in the archival footage I was watching, like, wouldn't even get the jokes, right? Aww. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's too bad. He's also a composer. In fact, he's probably done more composing in his career than he has actually done directing. And he created arguably one of the most well-known horror scores of all time, which is, you know, Halloween. Mm-hmm. Right, and so like no, I was listening it's, it's, to an interview uh, with him once, and it's really well known. <laughs> yeah, I was listening to this archival interview of him once, and the they wanted him to talk about like because this is the greatest score ever, you know, from a horror film, and they wanted him to talk about it, and they even had a little piano next to him that he could play, and he was like, oh. Yeah, well, it's just a, a normal beat that you would find that you do normally do on a drum in like any song. And I just played it on the piano. That's it. <laughs> and then he, <laughs> he reaches over and he plays it on the piano. So that's, that's his personality. Just very matter of fact. He, he, doesn't, he, he doesn't see himself as like this big, famous, awesome dude or anything. But we, okay, most so of us do. You're painting a picture of a man where what you see is what you get. So yeah. I don't think we need to dig deeper and they live. I think anything you see 
is what you get with they live like he's not <laughs> trying to say anything deeper than what you see but i will say i want to say so they live was written by frank armitage who is the oh, name dude, of the best that's friend. the name of his best friend <laughs> yeah um, well, that's interesting and was also a reference to um uh, lovecraft a character in hp lovecraft stories um and also was the screenwriter for this movie. Now, the real screenwriter was John Carpenter, but he called himself Frank Armitage. <laughs> so, okay. But I will say that this movie, They Live, is actually based on a short story written by Ray Nelson. Now, unfortunately, I didn't have time to read the short story, but I do know that it was published in 1963. Hmm. Where have we heard that okay. that year before? Dude. That's Naomi, 1963, 1963. <laughs> wow. What a connection. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. That definitely paints a little bit more of a connection between uh, Naomi's YouTube video. And, right. Uh, she says, obey, consume, obey, consume. And she's got this random date in her name that corresponds with the publication date of the story that They Live was based on. I don't know. But... Could be a coincidence and also could be a reverse connection, right? Right? Like maybe Naomi saw these subliminal messages and is like, whoa, John Carpenter knew about these subliminal messages and I want to make that connection for people, right? Yeah, it could be. I mean, so near the beginning, there's this preacher dude who's saying, they are our masters. They control us. They control us. They're all around you. First of all, this is not a very religious sermon he's leading. <laughs> no. <laughs> but second of all, I think that this is definitely talking about the rich and powerful controlling everyone, but also talking about subliminal messages, right? Like yeah. they control us. They're all around you. He's talking about these messages all around people right. controlling them. So a popular conspiracy theory that you'll find people just kind of saying in the comments on like YouTube and stuff like that is that they live is real. Um, that People think it's a movie, but this is real, right? Like, I don't know, John Carpenter was trying to warn us or something. Um, and I don't think these yeah. people think it's real in the sense that aliens are real. I hope right, not. Right, that's what I was going to ask. <laughs> but I mean, a lot of people do believe, like, that there's, um, lizard people. there's like, two different races of aliens, and one yeah. of them's good, and one of them's bad. Some of these people may believe that there are aliens or, like, lizard people who are the wealthy elite who are controlling the world. But I think a lot of them are just saying, like, this is, like, a movie that knew about the New World Order, and, uh, you know, now it's becoming more and more clear. Um, and so... There are a lot of things that we'll say John Carpenter either predicted or knew about when he made this movie, like the fact that there are militarized police who just show up and take out a bunch of homeless people for no reason mm -hmm. uh, who are just chilling. <laughs> um, the fact that there it's are drones, right? I mean, we have drones yep. now. They certainly didn't back then. Um, no. Nope. You know. And so here is one telling remark from the movie. Nada and Armitage break into this like meeting of a bunch of wealthy elite people. Some of them are aliens, but I think some of them aren't. This guy is talking and he says, by the year 2025, the entire planet will be under the protection and dominion of this power alliance. Vote for ourselves mm -hmm. and for you, the human power elite. 
And possibly this could mean we only have five years left before <laughs> the aliens yeah. take over or the wealthy elite or whatever. I mean, arguably, they're already controlling everything like they were in, in They Live. But I actually don't know why it was going to take the aliens that long. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> they seem to be doing pretty I mean, well. Like, but... I don't have a ton of more evidence to support this theory, really. Just that it be, some people believe that They Live was either prophetic or John Carpenter somehow knew about it. Okay, so how would John Carpenter know about this? I mean, there's there's this theory that you're going over, which is that everything in this movie is literal. I kind of take it a different way, which is that it is literal, but John Carpenter specifically has been contacted or done dealings with Hollywood elite who were telling him to put subliminal messages in his movie. Yes. And his response to this was a very dry and straightforward response of making a movie about subliminal messages being in the movie, right? Yes. Like, that's how I take it, is that he's kind of trying to warn everyone while also following the directions of right. the people who are handling him, right? Right. Like, he's, he's saying outright, this is what's happening. There are subliminal messages everywhere. And mm -hmm. what do they say? They say, buy, consume, submit, obey, <laughs> right? Right. And if this is the case, his subliminal messages are very similar to the ones which actually were in these broadcasts, if Naomi wasn't lying, right? Yeah. I mean, whether it be aliens or lizard people or Illuminati, you know, whatever boogeyman you think is controlling the world. Right. Something's controlling the world. Right. And according you know, to these theories. John Carpenter also did make a movie about a boogeyman. <laughs> well, he did. <laughs> um, they, they tend, especially with the Illuminati, the belief is that anyone who is powerful was put there by the Illuminati or by some powerful force. And yeah. everyone exactly. in the media industry, right? Every, every rich and powerful yes. person in LA is part of it. the media is like locked down. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. one of the pillars of it or whatever. One could argue that because John Carpenter was a rich, powerful director who had made a lot of movies, that he was approached by some sort of shadowy organization to put right. strange I mean, messages. There's no about, arguing. Like, he would have been approached if it was real, right? Like, he, yeah. he's one of the director writers who would have been asked to put messages in his movies. Yeah. There's no and, doubt. Uh, yeah, absolutely. If it's real, then he would have been. And even if it's not real, I mean, no matter what, directors are actually asked to put things like product placement right. and like stuff product like placement. <laughs> no, exactly. So like, you know. I, like I said, I, no matter how deeply you buy into this theory, I take it as fact that he's trying to tell people, hey, look, there are messages from rich people in your media. Like, like everything we've said now, you don't even need the Illuminati for it to be true or aliens or whatever, yeah. right? But if that's the case, though, then why, why also did they let John Carpenter release They Live? Honestly, that boggles my mind, even if there is no specific Illuminati. Like, this movie is basically just trashing rich people and Hollywood execs, right? <laughs> the people who like, funded it, right? Why would they allow right? him to... No, I mean, it was, got, like, it was pretty low massively budget, but... shooting all the policemen. <laughs> like, it's basically, like, the let's shoot yeah. police, the movie, right? Like, yeah, geez. so especially the scene where he just goes into the bank and starts shooting people up. I yeah, think it hasn't exactly aged well because of, you know, no. current events. <laughs> but, I mean, maybe that's also him predicting the future. I I don't know. I don't know if you noticed this, but at the very end of the movie, when uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper breaks the satellite and they can see all the aliens finally, like everyone in the world can see the aliens for what they are. One of the aliens is on TV in a bar 
like people at the bar are listening to it and the alien TV is talking about all the sex and violence on screen has gone too far for me. I'm fed up with it. Then he says, filmmakers like George Romero and John Carpenter Uh have to show some restraint. And I thought this is, there's no other way to take this than he feels like Hollywood is controlling him. Right. No, he is. Totally. That's it. That's, (laughs) this is just saying it. (laughs) He feels like the alien creatures in Hollywood are telling him what to do and forcing him to show restraint. (laughs) Like, like you said, uh, John Carpenter, he's very straightforward kind of guy. What you see is what you get. (laughs) The money, the money in this movie says, this is your God. This is your God. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, another interesting thing that maybe kind of corresponds to this was, uh, Roddy Piper, whenever he has the sunglasses on, they have a weird effect on him. Like, not only does he see things as they really are, but he, like, acts a little crazier when he has them on. (laughs) Yeah. And when he takes them off, he always clutches his head and, like, is tired, right? And at one point he says, it's like a drug. Wearing these glasses makes you high, but you come down hard. And I think that's kind of John Carpenter saying how it feels to wake up to the conspiracy that's going on around you, right? Like, when you are seeing it, it's like a drug. Like, you get sucked in and it's, like, it it gets your adrenaline pumping and it's almost kind of fun. But then when you take off the glasses and you realize I'm living in this world, you come down hard and it's depressing, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, it, like it's like being fun to research conspiracy theories, but if they're true, oh man, that sucks. Another thing I want to mention is just, dude, that sunglasses fight scene. Oh man. It's amazing. That's so good. <laughs> it, just, it, it just keeps getting better and better. Yeah. Because he had his wrestler, Rowdy Rowdy Piper. He's like, their goal was to make the longest fight scene ever. <laughs> yeah, it just kept going. I love it because it keeps seeming like it's about to end. And then he gets up again and does some more, right? Yeah. Not only that, it's 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 like one of the most brutal, most hilarious, <laughs> most gritty and campy fight scenes ever. But in a way, like realistic <laughs> like, too, right? Like they're fighting dirty. They're just kneeing each other in the crotch. Right, like they're <laughs> kicking, punching, tackling, this isn't fighting, like, Yeah, This isn't stomping. a Marvel choreographed <laughs> fight, you know? <laughs> They've got two by fours, bottles, accident. I love when Roddy Piper accidentally breaks... Uh, Mr. Armitage's car window and then like apologizes to him like really sincerely. (laughs) (laughs) It's got suplexes and pile drivers like what a fight scene dude and I love that the whole thing is put on these sunglasses. (laughs) Like it's such an innocuous request. (laughs) Like of all the things that Roddy could be asking Frank to do. <laughs> put on, put on sunglasses. It's not worth like, getting no. beat up. If that guy told me to put on a pair of sunglasses, I think I'd probably just put on the sunglasses. Right? I mean, this speaks to Frank Armitage's character because I love how <laughs> aggressively careful he is. <laughs> like, he yeah. is so committed to being a middle-of-the-road guy. <laughs> but <laughs> he gets mad at Roddy Piper for following him. When he invited him to follow him. Yeah, he asked him to follow him. <laughs> John Carpenter, of course, kind of says that the scene is basically a joke. Like, we just want to make a really long fight scene. But could it be something more? Because, like, if Frank Armitage is sleeping, is this, like, how hard it is to wake someone up, right? Right. To make them see what they don't want to see, well, right? He's this moderate exactly. middle-of-the-road guy who, who, who won't see what's happening around him. 
And they, that's well, no, the, definitely the frustration that, way, that a lot of us feel, you know, when you're talking to someone who has a, maybe a different viewpoint than you. Well, and throughout the movie, Frank keeps justifying his standpoint. Like every time he has like gets aggressive about being careful, <laughs> he then says something like, I just got to work and make my money or I'm competing with you and whoever works harder comes out on top. That's how the world is. Or I've got a family to worry about. Don't drag me into this. Like it's like he knows there's something going on, but he just doesn't want any part of it. And that's kind of the way most people are when it comes to politics or anything. Right. Is right. they know that there's stuff going on, but they're just living their lives. Like, yeah. They don't want to get dragged into it. They don't want to have to make a difference. They just want right. to support their family, get their money, and yeah. live happily, right? And I think that's kind of what Frank represents. <laughs> but most he's, of he's us just aren't the guy so. Who wants to stay out. Most of us aren't so staunchly moderate that if Roddy Piper tried to get us to <laughs> right. wear sunglasses, we would beat the crap out of him. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, like you said, it comes down to what the sunglasses represent. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Yeah, it was such a good scene, dude. I love it. I mean, since we're talking about random scenes, we do, we, we have to mention that this is the origin of the quote. I'm here to kick ass and chew bubblegum, and I'm all out of bubblegum. And now from another John Carpenter interview, uh, he has said that um, he got this line, I guess Roddy Piper gave him a list of lines like just random things that he would say as a wrestler when he came into the ring and that was one of them and john carpenter Dude. was like all right <laughs> roddy piper's a genius that's a and, great line right so like when i first heard this line like i've heard this line in a ton of different movies it's not always bubblegum yeah. but right like and one odd no, it's thing it's when i when famous. i <laughs> when i showed this to brita was she had also heard this line tons of times too and she was like so this is where it comes from but that might be the worst delivery of that line I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. And it's true it that Roddy is. Piper's way of <laughs> delivering it is very just like not super in your face. It's just a, an no, odd no. delivery. <laughs> well, and it's kind of like it's weird for him to say that because like he's having a bit of a crisis, just fought off two cops and then stumbles into this bank to kind of like get his bearings. Then he looks around and announces that he's about to kick everyone's ass. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> Like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe the glasses were drugging him up. <laughs> All right. So I, I think we've talked through They Live. We've talked through the sign-off um, broadcast. What do you think? What's real? Well, just like state for the viewers, what, what, what was the whole theory we were saying there? Well, I think that Naomi found this footage which contained subliminal messages. And I think that John Carpenter made a movie exposing subliminal messages that he has grown up with and has been asked to put into his movies. Right. Now, the, there are some links between that movie and They Live, such as the phrases in the subliminal messages. Some of them are identical, like Obey. And then also, like you said, the date that the original short story was published is in Naomi's uh, username. So it's undeniable that there are some links between them. Yes. Now, either Naomi is a big fan of They Live and included it in their unbelievably complicated and time-consuming <laughs> um, edit of this archive <laughs> footage that they found and then uploaded with no fanfare. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> like, they put a lot of time and work into it and then didn't really even try to publicize it. Or John Carpenter had seen and knew about these messages and was warning us about them 
And the messages he was warning us about are the same messages that were appearing in this old footage from the 60s, right. which was actually legitimately found and uploaded. And I kind of want to believe the second one because I think it makes sense, right? Like, I think yeah. it makes perfect sense that John Carpenter would be warning us about these things because he's in the industry. He's a higher up. And also, he does what he wants. <laughs> yeah. I don't see any reason Naomi would have bothered to edit this stuff if they weren't going to try and publicize it or anything, right? Like, also, it was just so dang, it would be so dang difficult. Yes. So, that, yeah. So, that's the way I see it. No, I mean, you have valid points. You? I... I think it's a really good theory, a really interesting theory, and a good excuse to talk about They Live. I don't necessarily think I believe that I think, I still think Naomi edited this footage. Um, and I think she's a huge fan of They Live. But what's the deciding factor for you? Why can't you buy it? Because it says obey, consume, obey. I think she is just a big fan of They Live. I think that that's the conclusion I come to. But I do think that but your version is more John interesting Carpenter, and obey, exciting. Consume, obey into your movie. And those are the <laughs> messages they put in all their subliminal messages. And also Naomi found ancient subliminal messages, right? Like, of course it would be the same. So it is possible. Yeah. It's possible. I'm not saying I totally buy it, but I, I do think your version... Believing that version is certainly more exciting and interesting. Yeah, but only until you realize that you're living it and that becomes depressing. Just like taking <laughs> right. off the sunglasses. Just like the glasses. All right, well, that was fun. I had a yeah. good time talking about it. I had a good time watching yeah. the movie. So just a small thing to support your theory that perhaps John Carpenter knew about this the whole time. Yeah. Is that uh, he did a phone interview with Yahoo Movies. And it was a very tongue-in-cheek sort of interview to the interviewer, he said, you have to understand something. It's a documentary. It's not <laughs> science fiction. Whoa. Did, did he say it in that serious tone? I mean, he probably, that's, that's his only tone. Okay, so this is like a written interview. Uh, well, it was a phone interview, and, I've, and like Yahoo movies, they have and the they, they transcript. It. But okay. I, I haven't seen like the, I don't know. Dude, that, that's really good. <laughs> there you go. Theory proved. I mean, he right. was making a documentary about uh, the future <laughs> or about current events. <laughs> All right, everyone, stay stay woke. <laughs> Don't submit. Yeah. Don't conform. Put on the Don't sunglasses. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to us on the Popcorn Isn't Real. We hope you enjoyed our theory. We hope that you keep those sunglasses on and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. Opening music for this episode was provided by Christine. If you want to see how our theory holds up, we provide links in the episode description where you can enjoy the media we discuss. And if you like our podcast, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts. And remember, the popcorn isn't real. <laughs>